0: Blue Rose Film Podcast, a show dedicated to celebrating the ongoing mystery and dream that is cinema, and tracing film history through the decades via the films that have meant the most to me. My name is Jonty Cornford, and I'm a writer, editor, composer, music producer, and a lover of films. On this week's episode of the show, I'm joined again by Wilson Drayton to talk about David Cronenberg's 1983 body horror masterpiece, Videodrome. If you haven't listened to our Batman episode yet, which also featured Wilson, definitely go back and check that one out too. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.
1: Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since. What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination. To the point that it will change human reality what I, I Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please,
0: come to me now.
1: Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Video Videodrome, starring Deborah Harry and James Woods, a shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners, coming soon to a theatre near you from Universal Pictures.
0: Yeah, Black Adam was uh,
2: <laughs> a bit, bit shit.
0: <laughs> There was one other dude watching it, and he uh. came and sat like in the same row as me. First of all, what a I was freak! Like, I was like, what you, there's two of us in here. I know that your ticket probably says that you're Where meant you to sit off? five seats <laughs> away get... from me, but like it's empty, you can yeah. sit wherever you want. But yeah, he left like immediately as soon as the credits started rolling. And I was oh, like, really? that is a man who does not give a shit <laughs> about any of this.
2: I hope he's seen it before. It's like, wait, but Superman's oh. <laughs> No, I hope he's seen it before and he's just watching it again. He knows what the post credit scene is. Yeah. That'd be funny. I can't
0: imagine seeing Black Adam and then being like, that, that needs mean, a I rewatch. Need again. Some of that went over my head. <laughs> That's a bit too much for
2: me. Well, I mean, I watched Minions three times. So. Well, I mean, Black Adam, yeah. it's You get a lot out of Minions a second time. And even the third time, I reckon. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Tell me again
0: how Tatane is one of the most wholesome movies we've ever seen.
2: Um, it is. Really no to a say. Heart, heartfelt it's heart- family heartwarming, family drama. The first twenty minutes and the last twenty minutes are some of the most upsetting shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and then the middle is it's wholesome. It's really wholesome. And Surprisingly it's, wholesome.
0: It's, a, it's part of the Cars extended it universe. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars followed by Crash. David Cronenberg followed by Titan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or well, you could even. That's the thing. Could you mix up the order? Ooh. Could you go crash first? Because that's when people f- first start fucking in cars. <laughs> then do you do. I don't even know what the order or, would yeah, be. Car, would it be cars, crash then titane? And then cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, then cars. They are, The cars are now. It's just the the baby that she gives birth to in the end of titane is Lightning McQueen. It's
0: like in Prometheus, how there's like. The- <laughs>
2: Imagine at at end end alien that alien at movie. the end Where you're
0: like Oh shit that's not an alien But it kind of looks like yeah. it Yeah like And then little, And like then, then little. after Covenant It's like there's the Xenomorph yeah. And then you get to Alien It's the no, same thing no, the, no, the, no. the little baby at the end of Titan is
2: uh, No it's actually Lightning McQueen he Oh, shit. The, oh
0: comes, shit the baby comes out And he goes It's actually in the director's Ka-chow. cut yeah. <laughs> 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 That's in the director's cut of Titan. They, it uh, is. they took out the, the line of dialogue <laughs> yeah.
2: And then supposedly when it hits puberty it just transforms into a car. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. And its mum's like, Damn boy.
2: Well, is she dead? I'd say so. Yeah. I mean I guess we're <laughs> talking
0: spoilers for to ten now, but I think she did die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: She's she's real she's she real was, dead.
0: She was lactating yeah. like motor oil.
2: And her stomach like split in half. Yeah. It's like That's it like, upsetting.
0: Like that scene in House of the Dragon. <laughs> house of the genuinely there's house so much of the birth this year
2: i love a bit of birth <sighs> yeah all right should we talk
0: about videodrome yeah we should talk about videodrome. <laughs> uh as you can probably tell we're oh. talking about videodrome and i got my friend wilson here
2: i'm back bitches <laughs> back <laughs> by unpopular demand yeah, if you didn't like the last one get fucked <laughs> i'll be talking a lot this one unlike last time love it
0: um so we're talking videodrome and david cronenberg um when did you first see this movie?
2: Like a, a month ago,
0: so it's fresh,
2: real fresh. And I also rewatched it like two days ago, and then rewatched it again today.
0: On the new Arrow. On the new Arrow 4K. 4K.
2: I fucking love this movie,
0: which I'm very jealous of. I've got a very standard Blu-ray of it with no special features on it.
2: Oh, there's actually, lo- I was actually looking at someone's. There's a weird short. This is has nothing to do with ty- um, <laughs> video drum, but there's a weird short that David Cronenberg made with the guy who plays. Barry convex and it's so weird and it's about children who find a the camera there you go and I watched like five minutes of it before I got I, was, I couldn't watch it because it's so weird I'll
0: have to borrow it from you you will I'm very keen
2: it's busting
0: also just to see it in 4k because I'm pretty sure the transfer on my shitty blu-ray is not <laughs> Bit average. it's not good
2: yeah um, it makes everything look really wet which is yes. what you want in a David Cronenberg movie—just a, a big
0: a, squishy body horror movie. That's kind of what you want.
2: Yeah, a, a lot of um,
0: stomach. Action. Yeah. So, first time watching it, what did you think?
2: I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I don't. I don't think I got it really. I mean, I did. I understood it, but I've, actually, recently, i actually recently—I was just—I was telling John about this before. I hadn't. I, at the end, when the main bad guy, well, not really a bad guy. hes just Spoilers kind of, for the whole movie. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. We're talking about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. At the end, when he kills the, his name's Barry. Mm. He, when he kills him, he splits in half. And when I, I'm I positive the first time I watched it, I didn't see that. So watching it again, when he splits in half and it's all gooey and David cronenberg yeah, go everywhere. <laughs> you see his brain pop out of the middle of his head. I was blown away. And I loved it the second time even more because of that.
0: There's <laughs> so like a different version or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the, on the arrow, it's the director's cut. Yeah. But like, it, apparently there's like only more gore. Because yeah. as we'll talk about, censorship the is a, a
0: bitch. <laughs> and there's a lot of gore in this movie. Yeah. It reminds me of, I think, the second time I saw Robocop. I saw the director's cut. Oh, yeah. And I'd seen like the R-rated version yeah. before that. And when the big roboty thing comes into the boardroom and like I'll blasts just, that yeah, dude Yeah. <laughs> out, in, in out. the in the r-rated version he gets blasted a couple of times and he dies in the in the unrated version in the uncut version it yeah. is so gory there are so many blood squibs just <laughs> flying everywhere and i was like i have no memory of this and i <laughs> yeah. looked it up and thought, oh it's because it was sensitive because yeah, i was
2: as i was watching it the second time i was because john t and i talked about doing an episode of the video drama i was like writing stuff down and reading articles because you mm. know i wanted to really be engrossed and know what i was talking about and um it said like the the scene where someone gets ripped in half and i was like don't remember that in the slightest <laughs> <laughs> and then i watched it and i was like yeah there's someone that definitely gets ripped in half but and that's the other thing i remember when he's leaving that conference, I guess you can call it. Yeah. There's like the screams of the dude over the microphone. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Don't remember. I thought it was just because he got shot a couple times.
0: Yeah. It's probably that scene got cut out.
2: Yeah. And I was also, I remember after, I loved it, but I was like, man, it wasn't very violent. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. For a David Cronenberg movie rated R. It was just a bit bit gooey. No, it's pretty grim.
0: And so- the first time I saw it, I think I was probably the same age that yeah. you are now when you saw it for the first yeah. time. And I don't think I got it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's some really awesome, yeah. like gooey practical effects stuff in there. And I knew that when he stands up at the end and says, long live the new flesh, I was like, damn, that sounds profound. But I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea what any of this yeah. meant. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen it probably like five or six times now. Dude, it's so good. But I think one of the things that I like about it is that it, each time you watch it, you can like, uh, you think it means something else. Oh like, yeah, like it's yeah, it's it's, it's not in that. particularly straightforward in it. I mean, it's it's, it's it's straightforward in what it's commenting on, but it's not straightforward in what it's actually saying about it. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I think I watched it again for this like a week ago. Now it was just before we did the, that Batman yeah. episode as well. I watched those two movies back to back. Weird double bill. Yeah. Video drama, and then Batman. Batman, yeah. <laughs> I was like, D- Batman's good, but it needs more like body horror. <laughs> <laughs> <It needs laughs> I want more, Joker to like yeah. turn someone inside out or something. <laughs> um, let's, before we more dive like into. Tummy gut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like. Cassette, weird, no, weird, like VHS gut. <laughs> yeah, weird vaginal <laughs> yeah. tape slots. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, before we dive into the movie, let's talk about Cronenberg. So, how many, what, how many Cronenberg. Like how have, familiar are you with? I've with him? been
2: getting familiar with them because I wanted to watch Crimes of the Future. And I was told by John T here that I had to watch other Cronenbergs to get the full experience. And it kind of ruined the experience for me, but that's another thing. <laughs> we'll <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I've watched The Fly, Crash as of last night, um, Videodrome, and Scanners, mm-hmm. and Crimes of the Future. Yeah, and Eastern Promises.
0: I haven't seen that one yet. Is that that's the Viggo one? It's a banger. Yeah,
2: works. it's really good. i it's good. It's pretty. It's pretty grim. Yes. Yeah. What, el- what else have I seen? I think that's from the top of my memory. That's it. And I have enjoyed all of them. Mm. So I think in varying degrees, but The Fly I watched after watching Men. So
0: that that is a good double bill. It actually it
2: was very crazy. <laughs>
0: that's a decent double bill. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other ones that I've seen, I've seen Crumbs of the Future, Videodrome, The Fly, Scanners. Um, I've seen Existence, which is kind of oh, a yeah. soft remake of I Videodrome. Do, I do want to watch that. Um, the Brood is pretty good as well. Um, one of my favorites, which I think is an underrated Cronenberg, is Naked Naked Lunch. I it's do one of my I do want to watch that. But if you want like, to, it's hard to find. It is hard to find. I think I got a DVD of it actually. Think about it if you want. But um, Steal on that. Um, <laughs> this is actually, we pretend to record a podcast, but Wilson just comes over and borrows movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I still
2: have a stack of just a bunch of movies that I've borrowed. Yeah.
0: The, like for, for context, the book of Naked Lunch, um, uh, William Burroughs, that author is one of the famous, uh, authors from the beat poetry kind of movement. And Ooh. it is about heroin addiction.
2: Oh, sick.
0: And he wrote it while, sick. mostly while on oh, heroin.
2: That's actually good for um, him.
0: And there's yeah, it like it's like weirdly almost autobiographical because there's, oh, there's a thing. Isn't there a cockroach in it? Because the well, <laughs> uh, and the film is sort of as much an adaptation of the book as it is a retelling of William Burroughs' life, right? But sort of fictionalized and blending the two, so it's very oh, odd, right? Um, maybe we'll talk about it in this podcast at at some point.
2: Yeah, I got to watch it. <laughs>
0: but yeah, so the the main thing that like that people think of when they think of Cronenberg is body horror, mm. um, and Videodrome has. A lot of it. A fair amount of it. The Fly is probably one of his more famous body yeah. horror films. With I feel like
2: it's one of the only ones that's well, a critically received well. Mm. Because I've looked at a bunch of his other ones, especially Video Dream, which shocked me, is not critically received very well. No. like it's. I think I looked at it, Rotten Tomatoes was like, I know it's not a very good metric for things, mm. but it's like 79 I think IMDb was six point four. Yeah, like criminally low. Because it's How one of those things
0: where I think horror fans get it. Yeah, But people that don't know what they're getting into, like one star, hated it. Yeah, didn't exactly. make any sense. It was yeah. gross. Yeah, like it's the sort of they're the sort of movies that if you know if you sort of come in unprepared. Yeah, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it's the sort of thing that I would show to my partner, and she would dismiss it
2: immediately. Yeah, and
0: rightly so. Which
2: <laughs> like is why I was shocked when I showed my partner Crash, yeah. and she liked it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so when we think about body horror, um, well, and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but I the, part of the, one of the main things that I love about Cronenberg and why I think body horror is really, really interesting to me is that it is a super stylized way of depicting something that horror does really well, mm. which is good horror takes an idea, whether it's a science fiction idea like in – something like Videodrome or if it's just a thematic idea but takes it to its extreme and externalises it as a physical thing. So, for example, like um, a, a tamer example of this with horror would be like um, the Stepford Wives mm. um, which is shows up again in something like Don't Worry Darling yeah. which came out this year. The idea being that men just want their wives to be like dolls. Yeah take that to its extreme, play that idea out in full, and that's you get something like the Stepford Wives where it's taking that idea seriously and fleshing it out. Mm. Um, Videodrome, I think, and we can talk about this and agree or disagree, is about this ridiculous idea that watching violent TV or movies or, if we bring it into our context, video games or being hooked up to the internet all the time um, and this... Uh, contextually comes out at a time where something that called the Video Nasties was around, which we'll dive into, that that has a bad effect on human beings. Mm. And so Videodrome takes that idea and turns it into an external physical thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Bad bad TV, violent TV, sexual TV and cinema going into the brain and changing the
2: human physically. Yeah, I've actually got a quote from Cronenberg about that. Where is it? Um, it's pretty much what I think some I can't don't know the context of this, mm. but it, he says, with videodrome, I wanted to posit the possibility that a man exposed to violent imagery would begin to hallucinate. I wanted to see what if what it would be like, in fact, if what the senses were saying would happen did happen. What mm. would it be like? Mm. Which is, I think, a very good way of summing up the movie in a way. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so like a for in way of a really basic recap. He's a TV executive, yeah, who discovers this channel called Videodrome,
2: yeah, which it's actually a frequency. Yeah, yeah it's a, sorry, a, a yeah, frequency. frequency
0: that's broadcasting yeah. real sex and violence. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it's real. Yeah, um, and so he, you know, attempts to find the source of where the signal's coming from. Hallucinations incur. They go crazy. Uh, shit gets crazy. Body horror, role credits
2: yeah. is is, is, a, is how I would <laughs>
0: pretty much describe it. That's a very very uh, simplification.
2: Yeah, big time. But it, of the movie, that's kind of what it is. Um,
0: yeah, so I mean, that that's part of why I love this movie is that like it talks about violence and takes it seriously. So we were talking mm. about Batman. Yeah. Last time we were on the podcast together, um, and the Batman, which I think doesn't quite hit the mark when it talks about. Violence, yeah, because it doesn't show the violence yeah, that it's yeah. then going to try to interrogate. Whereas this is a movie that has no issue showing some pretty Not horrific all. stuff. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think it's it, it's an interesting conversation because I I don't my parents when I was younger were very very concerned about showing me any sort mm. of movie or TV that had violence in it or sex in it. Um, and that's a cultural thing. It's also a religious thing, but yeah. it's 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 a thing that I think this movie is about if those fears are come founded in reality. Yeah, or come true. What that would actually have done to a, a human. an eight-year-old like me who wanted to watch, <laughs> I don't know, Robocop or something. Yeah. <laughs> if I was allowed to watch that movie then, yeah. what are the effects that that actually has on the young brain? And I do think that there is... Validity on both sides, so we can talk about Quentin Tarantino as well in this conversation. You've seen that. (laughs) um, We might cut to that. Yeah, we'll cut to that interview now.
3: (laughs) Anyway, audiences worldwide were first introduced to Quentin Tarantino with *Reservoir Dogs*. Let me see if he's on the line. But it was Pulp Fiction that won him an Oscar and launched him into this A-list status he's in. Some people say he's all about style over substance. Some people say he's glamorized violence. Some people say he's a genius. His latest movie, Kill Bill, is a tale of a former assassin's quest for revenge. It stars Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu. Now Quentin joins us. There he is, baby. How are you, Quentin? I am here, John. How you doing? All right, all right. I haven't seen you since Pulp Fiction.
4: Now, here this, I am. Do I look just as handsome? Uh,
3: yeah. Okay, I think they used that colored gel though that they used for Lucille Ball on MAME. Oh really? Uh, okay, well, you're lucky
4: I can't see you right now. Oh,
3: I look, darling, I look bad. Uh, okay, speaking of MAME, okay, I'm gonna do a little segue here. MAME into violence and Kill Bill. This movie's doing very well, by the way, Quentin. Why are you with us? Why did you decide to do Why this? Why am I with you? Yeah. I mean, did you decide uh, to... So it can keep
4: doing good and I to see. spread
3: the Kill Bill
4: word. Especially to the San Francisco Bay Area.
3: But one of the things you said recently, is this true or were you misquoted, that children should see Kill Bill advising kids to see it? Did you actually say that? Or oh, is that a misquote, Britton? No, no, no. I, I, it's like... Uh,
4: uh, if, if It's R-rated movie. If their parents will take them to go see it, they'll have a blast. I actually think from 12 up, all right, really. you know, is a really good audience that they will love Kill Bill. Girls will love it because they'll be empowered by. How
3: uh, are they uh, empowered characters. exactly? They'll go home. Uh-huh. Put a, put Quentin, a uh huh. on their wall and stuff. they are gonna take to see it, but if you're uh-huh. cool parents, yeah, you will do. Uh, cool parents really. Quentin, would you say this movie teaches girls to be empowered by being violent and vicious, just like boys in the movie? Would you uh, say it, that's how the it empowerment? Teach, it, it, it it empowers women, but it empowers girls mm-hmm. by
4: the fact that Uma Thurman is a female warrior. She's uh-huh. a female avenger. Right. right? Revenge is like one of the classic staples in drama. I see right? but a lot of
3: innocent story, people. Right? I've seen the And film to have girls
4: not be the the uh, uh, not only the girlfriends in mm-hmm, movies, mm-hmm. but uh, you know. This is a movie about women. They're not about cute girls no, going It's about e- killer he- 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 women, all right, with their it's butts and women. their uh, uh, t-shirts that stop before mm-hmm. below their uh, b- uh, before their uh, belly button, mm-hmm. asking permission to kick ass. Right. These girls just kick ass. They're right. warriors. They live by a code of honor, and they die by that code of honor too.
3: And they and innocent people die along the way. It's about that kind of thing. Now, tell me this. You person. know, innocent
4: people die along the way because that's unfortunately that's the story of revenge. Revenge is okay. messy. It never works out
3: the way you want it. Why? The need for so much gruesome graphic violence. Why not let us imagine? Because it's a little so it. much fun, Jan. Get really? it? Oh, really? Okay, I'd like to see you walk down the street and get attacked by some kids who've just seen movies. Oh, movie. but you saw, but see, Jan,
4: you're all messed okay. up because you're talking about real life. Oh, and I'm I see. talking and kids about 12, the movies. you got to get it straight. Now, if you want to talk about the movies, we'll talk about the movies. Okay, and kids, if
3: kids at 12 can tell the difference. You tell their parents that, Quentin. Hey, I, it was I, great to I saw to you, movies man. when I
4: was a kid, all right? I saw the all the movies that I'm yes, basing my look movies how on, wonderful are you movies too, I saw as a
3: kid, and yes. Mm-hmm. Kids
4: go to a movie theater, they can tell the difference. Maybe mm-hmm. you couldn't when you were a kid, but I could.
3: Okay, honey. Well, get in the hook, you're doing well, obviously. You're laughing all the way to the bank, and I know some parents would love I'm having a great time making a
4: terrific movie that people are having fun seeing. Maybe not you, but you know what, Jan?
3: I don't think I made it for you. I bet you didn't, and I'm glad you didn't. Uh, I'm just sorry. Well, well, don't worry about that, we'll baby. We'll move on. You're doing great. What do you care about me? Oh, <laughs> my right, Quentin. Well, look, it's your genre. You I'm own not doing it. Anything. It's your genre, and you own it. And that's why he's uh, Quentin Tarantino doing so well. And this is a movie that he thinks kids should see. And I'm hmm. on the record saying, I do not think kids should see it. I think adults who see it should be born. It's very violent, incredibly violent, and soulless. There's no soul in it. And I wonder how he sees women being empowered when there's no soul. All right.
2: Thanks, Jen. Okay. Thank you. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
0: (laughs) Because it's so
2: much fun, (laughs) Jan. Get it. (laughs) Get (laughs) it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, yeah, it kind of does go. It's kind of, David Cronenberg, I feel like kind of sits in the middle there. Where it's like all the, the censorship stuff on one side and then someone like Quentin, Quentin Tarantino on the other. Where Cronenberg, he loves doing the body horror, but it always has a purpose. Yes. Like it always has the, there's this, the 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 violence that I'm showing has the, the negative effects of the thing I'm addressing. Yeah. Maybe not so much in Scanners, but- Well, I mean- I mean, there is something there- but it's more just kind of like a. Uh, he def um,
0: he definitely uh, he, his films definitely take on more sort of substance yeah. as he moves into the eighties. Yeah, and Scanners yeah, yeah, is yeah. one of those ones where.
2: It's just kind of a a really fun. Yeah,
0: I, I mean there there is still substance there. It's yeah. uh, I think um,
2: it's a little bit deeper though because it's more like it's not as it's not as as a universal thing in Scanners, in my opinion
0: at least. Mm. Um, Wes Craven walked out of a screening of Reservoir Dogs, supposedly. Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino been quoted as saying like, how the hell, like this is the guy that made The Last House on the Left. Yeah. And he walked out of my movie and <laughs> Wes Craven was like, yeah, well, the violence in The Last House on the Left is about something.
2: Right. Oh, there you go.
0: The violence in Reservoir Dogs, and this has been an ongoing criticism of Tarantino's work across his whole career. The violence is just there to be cool. Yeah. to be eye candy. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I came out of seeing Black Adam <laughs> just before I got home to record this. Yeah. And that is a movie that I think is takes part in something that I actually find really troublesome, where so many people die in that movie. Yeah. Some of them for, are lingered on. There's for like jokes essentially. Some of them are for jokes. Yeah. Some of them are lingered on, and it, yeah. it depicts pain. But a lot of it, it's like so many people. It's, it, Man of Steel is the same. So many yeah. people die in that movie and it's completely bloodless and it's yeah. completely numbing and you don't feel any of the pain mm. associated with it whereas something like Videodrome you hear the screams it a,
2: and it's grim.
0: It is about Yeah. the effects of violence. Mm. And that's why it, that that's part of what I think the issue Wes Craven has with something like Reservoir Dogs yeah. is for violence to be in a movie, for you to make the choice to commit violent acts on screen mm. to depict that there has to be a reason and it has to hurt to watch because yeah. well, depicting I, violence as not being painful is really irresponsible
2: i think reservoir dogs <clears throat> sorry. if we're gonna you know use that as an example there's one with um well what's his name i uh, like the main dude who's been shot like the whole movie he's, tim roth yeah, yeah tim roth he's just like breathing in pain the mm. whole time yep
0: well, it opens after that dinosaur. Yeah, opens exactly. With him in, the, car. With him in, the, in yeah. the.
2: Yeah, just bleeding out. Yeah. And it's just the the floor gets covered in his blood. But there's. N- other than that, there's kind of nothing that is. But also, there's nothing really being said about that. It's just, oh no, this guy's got shot. He's an undercover cop.
0: I think uh, a really great example of that is with the ear. Yeah, the, ear, well. yeah, the
2: ear. There's not really much. It's just the. I can't remember who that actor is. Well, and the
0: memorable part of that is that there's that song yeah, playing over it and he's dancing. while He's doing dancing,
2: it. yeah. He's dancing and hurting this guy.
0: And to be fair, it does depict that as being really painful. Yeah. And it shows that, like, awful wound on the side of his head where he's yeah. having a ear. But I do think that the intent behind that scene is... It's, it's fun. ...is fun and entertainment. Yeah. Like, that's
2: I, seen by the dancing.
0: And that, I think, is... When we we can talk about the video nasties now, and the yeah. sort of the culture that this movie came out in, that is the point of view that people who are, um, like for example, the the people who are behind the video nasties act mm. and the that whole movement, their feeling about violence on screen is that it was what exactly that same thing that people criticise Tarantino's films for—that it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 all substanceless. Substance-less, yeah. Without substance and um, is numbing and is bad for the viewer because it desensitises you to the effects of violence. Mm. And where I think this film comes in is, is, is it not, it, it's not as simple as it's just criticising that view. No, because it's It does criticise that view and I think it, because that's part of what externalising that idea and that thematic material as a physical thing, mm. part of what that is there to do is to point out how absurd it is. Yeah, but also how crazy is it to think that violence can do this to a person? Yeah. But at the same time, it's actually also siding with
2: Yeah, it sympathizes with the other view. There's a lot of something I noted is there's a lot of characters and moments that do actually agree with that. Like the entire like the the bit where he goes and kills the his partners at his radio at his TV station he is essentially sympathizing with the other side mm-hmm. because he's killing he's stopping the 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 point of that is to stop the violence mm-hmm. that is displayed on the on their tv channel at, because um Barry Convex wants to use videodrome to wipe out all the people that watch mm-hmm. these horrific things on tv which is mm-hmm. the the, uh, the other side of the argument and then he switches to the the new flesh stuff and mm. does all that. But there's a, there's a moment in the movie where he does horrific things, but it is for like, you know, dumb in like a, a weird way for the greater good of society. But it's, you know, still killing people. Mm. So it's ironic.
0: I think uh, it's interesting as well. We were just talking about crimes of the future and, yeah. you, and you said that it's sort of, ruined watching crimes by watching this first (laughs) but i think the reason i said that is because a lot of the thematic element
2: yeah i didn't ruin it but it just made it I, i realized that i'd seen it before yes yeah
0: and what i think is interesting um is there's a line in this movie where they refer to a new organ a new part of the brain yeah and this is a Evolution of the human body. And we'll mm. get to what, what the new flesh is yeah. later on. But that's exactly what Crimes of the Future is about. Yeah, it's like it's an all evolution of hu- the human body yeah. to keep up with where culture has taken us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting double bill to compare yeah. and contrast because I, I actually think Crimes of the Future weirdly already doesn't
2: hold up. Yeah.
0: But Videodrome holds up better today thematically mm. than it did in 1983.
2: It definitely does. And also another way that it holds up even better now is even with um Oh, is her name? Her name's Nikki. Nikki, his mm-hmm. like kind of girlfriend. She goes onto Videodrome essentially because or she wants to experience Videodrome, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But it also the association of um, the fame was kind of something that I thought was quite profound. Yeah, was the reason she was doing it is because she wanted to experience Videodrome. Yet also, it's being televised, so yes. it's kind of it has brought a new light into now as people are doing more and more crazy things to to just be famous and to be to have a moment, mm. which I think is quite interesting. That back in Nineteen eighty three or whatever. Yeah. And and since
0: watching Videodrome for the first time, the implication is that she and I don't it's it's hard to tell if this was part of her character before seeing Videodrome or if it was brought on by watching yeah. the Videodrome stuff in the first place. But she starts to like there's that bit where she puts out a cigarette on her skin. Yeah. And she starts saying things like that she she actually loves she she enjoys watching the violence. Yeah. And there's a line where one of the, I think it's one of the TV execs, no, I think it's him actually says, um, well, better on TV than on the streets.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But where it becomes a little bit less clear is that, well, if watching it is then causing someone like her to then start to enjoy that and in a literal sense, yeah. she starts putting cigarettes out on her skin. She wants to go and take part in the show yeah. and put her body through that. Um, that's why I think this sides with both sides of the argument on violence on screen because that is a clear that's a character that has been exposed to violent sexual content, mm. and then takes on a change and actually changes their behaviour based on that. Whereas yeah. the other side of the argument is don't be ridiculous, TV and, and and violence on screen can't change your behaviour.
2: Yeah. But another another thing that's bizarre is you never see them uh Max and Nikki, you never see them go on a date. No. The first thing you see is he goes to her radio station or whatever job she has. It's not really very clear. She does like a mm. a radio recording thing. And then she goes, then you see her the next scene is you see them at Max's apartment and she asks, Do you have any porno? Yes. Like that's the first thing you see them in a relationship. Yeah. And that just kind of perfectly encapsulates the just her character and what happens with her. Yeah. I think I thought it was just, it was kind of it was very interesting seeing that and then realizing that it's not really like a relationship founded on love or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. she's she's
0: sort of the the depiction of the desensitization that people talk about. Yeah, she is. Yeah, with this sort of stuff, um, the what <clears throat> watching stuff that's really violent or. Hypersexual, yeah. You start to get desensitized,
2: which she does. Which, which yeah, it, that, yeah. That, that's that's which, what her character yeah. is.
0: I think is is the depiction of that idea. Um, and then yeah. she
2: dies because of it, which I think is pretty grim. But you know, it's mm. a movie.
0: <laughs> so, uh, and let, let's jump over a little bit. I w- I want to talk about what this movie looks like because I think, yeah, I I I, uh, I don't know if you listen to Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo. I do. Yeah. Um that he on one of his reviews for Videodrome on somewhere online. Yeah. I think it was for a release of a Blu-ray at some point. Um, he's like, the transfer is great. It looks brilliant, but nothing will beat watching Videodrome on a busted up old videotape. Yeah. <laughs> because I think one of the things that I love about this movie is just how gross... It's disgusting. ...and rough around the edges yeah. it is. Even with some of the editing and the structure of the story and how it's edited together, it's not... Clean and, oh no. and, and well compiled. It's no. really odd and a little bit yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. upsetting, just in the way it looks. Yeah, um, which is why I'm keen to see it on 4K. Oh,
2: that's the thing I loved about seeing it in 4K. Everything is so wet. <laughs> 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 all the uh, yeah, all like the the stomach hole and the the arm is just moist and disgusting. Yeah. And it's great,
0: <laughs> and, but it, like it, even like um, I could be wrong. I feel, I feel like it's shot on sixteen millimeter. I'm um, not sure actually. Thirty five. I uh, have no idea. Either to way, that. it just looks the grain of the film yeah. and the cinematography and all the shadows and it, it, the lighting is just so gross all the time. Yeah. Um, even when
2: he's outside, like there's like yeah. one sc- where he's like that scene when he's talking to the guy when it has his news, uh, like news of him killing the TV execs with the guy standing on the street, it's just, it's overcast and it just looks like an awful day. Yeah.
0: Nothing looks like nice. No. Or warm or welcoming. It's Not all very, no, no, no yeah, it's all
2: gross. Putting in gross. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which works. Yeah. I doesn't think work it doesn't work for a film like it. saving Mr. Banks or something. But like <laughs> <laughs> for, for video drama, it's perfect. Oh yeah. It's great. Um, Yeah. There, there was a quote that I wrote down. Um, the battle for the mind of North America will be fought in the video arena, yeah, the videodrome, which brings us to the video nasties yeah. stuff.
2: Now that's interesting. It's very interesting. Something random I actually learned about the video nasties: yes, is any movie with the name with the word cannibal in yes. it was immediately banned. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. So, do you did you have written down exactly like some stuff on that?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, something interesting that I found with Cronenberg's movies in the video nasties is none of his movies have been put on there because they're too intellectual, which I think is what we were talking about with the whole depiction of violence thing and how his, his, his violence is done in a a way that has a point, which I think is so interesting that none of his movies have made it on there, Mm. even though they're some of the most upsetting movies ever (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) with just some Awful imagery.
0: So it is basically in the UK. Um, I think it was in the late seventies.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, around yeah, then. I should have looked this up beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically
0: there's that there was a list of films that were banned from being distributed in the UK because they breached the I want to say it was the Obscene Publications Act or something something yeah, along something those like lines.
2: That. There's a bunch of old dudes that got offended by some horror movies and they went, "People should not watch this ever."
0: And it was to do with the fact that video home video yeah home video had just released yeah and so um uh because censorship hadn't isn't, isn't what it is today with yeah. the, the the BBFC have um sort of cleaned up how they how they go about censorship and, and classification and all yeah. of those things that isn't what it is today and so they were worried about the fact that children and people that maybe wouldn't be prepared for what they were going to watch could pick up and just rent video rent, rent or or buy or yeah. borrow or Whatever videos that were being distributed, and so there was a list of
2: banned tapes. I think it was like a hundred and something, hundred and thirty, I think it was when it started.
0: Yeah, and it was around for a little while, and yeah. and um, it's not a thing anymore, obviously. Yeah, um, but
2: there still are quite a few banned movies in Australia.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I watched um, Pink Flamingos for the first time semi so yeah. recently, which technically still banned is, st- is still refused. Well, not banned, it's refused classification. Right. So there it's, you go. it's 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 higher than what they would allow. A, also in, it's, an, yeah. in an in an R eighteen rated film. There you go. Which means that because it hasn't been classified, it is it not distributed. it can't be distributed. Yeah. But right, it's got it's go. got an eighteen in in the UK. Yeah. So you just buy the UK Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so and that that's that's this idea of well we can decide what is good and bad for people to watch, so we're gonna draw a line in the sand yeah. as to what can and can't be distributed and viewed by people, which is where this comes in and is a really interesting film to watch in that context. Yeah, um, I wrote, there's, there's a cool piece um, that I'll link down below uh, about this movie. Um, and it says, I wrote down this quote, hallucinations, which are a side effect of the Videodrome signal, um, also provide the film's most potent metaphor. They discharge the idea that exposure to sex and violence in the media is desensitizing or results in an emotionally numb viewer who seeks pleasure through visceral stimuli. Its philosophy questions whether media has the power to influence um, our unconscious on their own or if some kind of change occurs only when the viewer allows it. Wow. Which I think is really... Hits a nail on the head for me because I, I... Part of what I think is... And history has caught up with this, but was ridiculous with... Something like the Video Nasties Act um, is this idea that ch- children aside—that's a whole other thing—and and that's where classification and, and parenting becomes really important. But with adults, yeah, deciding what people can and can't watch because of what you think the effect will be on them mm. um, is ridiculous. Yeah, and and is <coughs> um, censorship God, with, without hell. without restraint? Yeah, um, because I think what that last bit. There is... It's philosophy question. And it's talking about the movie here. It, when it says it's... It's philosophy questions whether media has the power to influence our unconscious on their own, mm. which is sort of what's happening in Videodrome. Yeah, The effect that the signal has on the viewer starts to change them physically. Or is it a hallucination? We can talk about that as well. Yeah. Or if some kind of change in the viewer can only occur when the viewer allows it, which speaks to what I feel really strongly about in that it's not actually the power that the movie or TV show has to change you, it's about whether you are switched on enough and an active viewer to take on what you are seeing um, and be discerning and um, critical about what you're watching.
2: Yeah, and that kind of also brings up another thing of being actually able to understand that it's media and the separation of media and real life, which... I don't think was a very big topic in 1980. <laughs> well, Which is- well clearly it was actually but like it wasn't the to- it wasn't the discussion of whether a like a person can make the decision to watch it themselves it was they just wanted to they didn't like it. Mm. This this uh, these people I think it was in the government I think I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah I, it was in the UK. Yeah. The UK, yeah. yeah. They just well, it, didn't- ca- it
0: came from a lobby group that was then. Yeah brought pressure to the government to make change in the air
2: yeah and so they just they just didn't like it and so they said no no one else can watch it yeah Yeah. which is crazy yeah
0: some (laughs) of the movies that were on the list like you can find the list online yeah it's like (laughs) ridiculous that they would decide that that was harmful for viewers
2: i think there's one movie called i can't remember i can't remember the title but it had cannibal in it yes yeah yeah and and it was cannibal something and there was one, literally one scene that was kind of violent, but the fact that it had the name, the word "cannibal" in the title, meant it immediately was put on the list and it was it was banned. You couldn't yep. watch it, yep. which is quite funny. Mm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that that that's just another layer of what this movie is sort of talking about with violence. Yeah, it comes out of a culture where very much in the public conversation around media. Was the effects of violence on the viewer? Yeah,
2: and also another another movie that wasn't put onto the video nasties was Hellraiser. Yeah, but I don't. I couldn't find a reason why it wasn't because that movie.
0: It might have been afterwards. Hellraiser was eighty seven. Oh, it, could, one, have oh, it 80, could have been then. Yeah. after. Yeah,
2: I, I think yeah. it could have just been Clive Barker in general then, because he was making. I can't, don't really know much of his filmography. Cause I've only really seen the Hellraiser movies. Hmm. But I think I saw somewhere that David Cronenberg and Clive Barker were both making some pretty wild things, and neither Man. of them were put onto the video nasties.
0: Yeah, because it's a it's a conversation about it's similar in uh, we've talked in the past off Mike about Salo and the 120 Days of Sodom that yeah. was banned in um, again in the UK as it should <laughs> until it was released with special features.
2: Oh, to like explain that yeah. it was
0: so then the, um, the reasoning being that now it's been placed in its context,
2: right? Of like historical with an explanation
0: of where it, right. What what it's there about and, and why? Then, then it was released uncut.
2: That is interesting.
0: Which is interesting because it's then at, that suggests that it's not about the movie itself, but it's about the understanding context. the context of where and it comes yeah. from. Yeah. Wow, well, there um, you go. That, which doesn't change good. the fact that Solo is a really <laughs> like uncomfortable movie to watch. Yeah. No. Um, you haven't seen it yet, have you? Thank <laughs> 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 Thanks the Lord. I'll keep that one up my sleeve. Um, yeah, it's full of We want to watch with Marty though. I mean, at Ritz, while we're at the time yes. of recording, they're doing a Pasolini retrospective and they're showing it on
2: a Sunday. There now, is a slight part of me that wants to go see it. Skip church and go to see, <laughs> go to see Solo. <laughs> Huge.
0: <laughs> um, let's talk about practical effects because- All right, yeah. I love practical effects and part of why I think I love them over something like CGI is you said before how wet (laughs) the movie looks. I do think that that is actually a really important part of why practical effects hold up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because CGI just can't replicate how gross and squishy, like think about the 1982, The Thing, John Carpenter, that movie holds up because also the actors are- uh, They're doing a very good job. They're interacting with Mm. something that's actually there.
2: Yeah. I think um Oh when is it? I I think it's just all the bits with his stomach thing are yeah so foul mm-hmm. because you can see that his his breathing yeah. and that his hand is going like there's a there's a human hand going inside of his stomach and putting things in, taking things out, and it's awful. Mm. And there must have been a guy that was just like getting a spray bottle and just the Keeping l- it nice and moist. Keeping it nice and wet,
0: because it, it, to compare it to Crimes of the Future, it where was a lot of that stuff CGI polished and it, yeah, weird. compared to Videodrome, it's so clean and sanitized. Yeah. And, and whereas uh, I think the combination of how like rough the filmmaking is with the practical effects yeah. just makes it feel so grounded and gross and real.
2: Yeah. Also, yeah. on a rewatch, I didn't realize how foul. The bit when he's holding the gun and it starts stabbing his hand. Yeah. It's so well done and so off-putting mm-hmm. and it looks incredible. Although you can see his fingernails are not his, yeah. obviously, because it's just a, a clay hand or something. Yeah, yeah. But it, it looks incredible.
0: So what I would assume that would be, I haven't looked into this, but they would be reversing footage yeah, of I, the spikes going thinking. into into yeah. the fake hand and the reverse it looks yeah. like it's pulling out.
2: Yeah. That's that's what I thought. But there's all the thing that tripped me about that is there's blood that's pouring out as it's happening. Yes. Which is
0: yeah. So I'd have to look into how they yeah. actually achieved that.
2: Could just be upside down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't so. know.
0: What else have you got? Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? There's one more thing I want to talk about. Oh, this movie. I
2: have a look. I just I think mo- mostly I think I just love the irony of the movie. Really. It's just the 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 double take of showing something so horrific, like someone eating split from the insides, yet also being like, this doesn't, this isn't real. Like it's a movie mm. and this man is going insane from seeing this. And how crazy is that? <laughs> I just love that David Cronenberg had this idea of, I don't know, I think it came from him watching just surfing, channel surfing on Canadian TV and just seeing the weird stuff that you see on, on TV at night. Mm. And then he just decided to make a movie about a guy that goes crazy from watching.
0: Because it's so earnest in yeah. how it depicts, like it, it, it empathises with the point of view of watching stuff like this will make you, will change you. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like so absurd. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really rare that it, it it talks about the subject matter, takes it seriously but at the same time is pointing out how, how ridiculous yeah, it is.
2: Yeah. I just, and I just love um, his hand, the, the difference because his, his hand, as it gets, the gun gets mm-hmm. covered in all the, the goo, yeah. there's just bits where he's, he's holding the gun out and then he puts it in his pocket and then his hand comes back out and then nothing's there. Mm-hmm. And then just the, in the next shot, his hand just has the gun with the goo on it. And it, it just kind of just shows how, it just, it, I, it's probably, it could be a mistake. But it, it, it hammers the point of how ridiculous the idea is. And yeah. I think it works really well on that. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I want to talk about this idea of the new flesh. Oh, yeah. Because the, the famous line from the movie is, long live the new flesh. Yeah. Um, And I, I read uh, somewhere online Cronenberg talking about this idea of what the new flesh is. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's quoted as saying the body exists in, in this movie, the body mm. exists somewhere between human existence and technological influence. Right. So it's like a, a binding of the human and the technological. Right. Which we were talking about to ten yeah. earlier. Um, whether or not I've kept that rambling bullshit yeah. at the beginning of the podcast and we we're talking about Titan earlier and and that's actually a I think a really interesting continuation of that idea and kind of yeah. talks about it again in Existence. Um but I think that's an idea that is probably more prescient today yeah. than it was in nineteen eight in nineteen eighty three he's talking about television, more so than cinema. But today we've got computers and TVs in our pockets. Exactly. And you forget your phone, you walk out the door Suddenly, you feel naked. Yeah. So I think it's it's yeah. it's a really uh, current movie.
2: Yeah, I think that could actually be the reason why he he made Crimes of the Future, because I think it could be. Again, I'm, I have. I feel like I need to watch that movie again because it definitely I was lost a bit just with there's so much going on. And I think he could have been because it is very similar thematically to Videodrome, and he could have tried to rehash these ideas, but to make them more modern, and that could be a reason why he did that. Which mm. which I could understand that because it is quite a it's a it's a pressing issue.
0: Yeah, because I think it's interesting, like that that the the weapon. In the movie, attaches to his hand, yeah, which today takes on more significance yeah. because we've all got phones in our hands That's constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I'll probably bring this interview up multiple times on this podcast. Yeah. There's an interview with Adam Savage and Guillermo del Toro on, I believe it's the criterion for Chronos, right? And special features. Um, Adam Savage, of course, from Mythbusters, Guillermo del Toro, the director of many great movies. The the Um, spinning top man himself. The spinning top. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pinocchio hasn't come out yet, but I'm very excited to see that when it does. Um, But he talks about like with cinema, but not just cinema, but information in general throughout human history, the population has always been able to keep up with the progression of the technology through which information was communicated. Yeah. So, you know, there was one guy in a town that could sculpt out of stone that art piece that transference of information that cultural thing had time to resonate with the uh with the con- uh, with the I almost say congregation with the community with <laughs> yeah. the uh, with the population painting it becomes faster and more readily yeah. available for everyone to to express artistically the printing press accelerates it, television accelerates it, cinema before television accelerates it. um, So that the rate at which ideas and art from the population can be expressed to the rest of the population, every step along that journey, we've been able to understand and move along at the pace of that moving along of technology. But once the internet arrives, we still haven't, caught up Um, and he talks about like the fact that there hasn't been a really great beautiful book written about film language in the last 15 years is evidence that we haven't caught up yeah but the rate of technology is still accelerating
2: it's rapidly
0: Um, and and he you know he uses this as a as, as a part of this is like streaming services have ruined (laughs) <laughs> how we how we experience movies because yeah. the movie hasn't even finished playing yet and the next one starts
2: yeah as you um, pointed out with All Quiet on the Western Front yeah I watched All Quiet on the Western Front
0: on Netflix and this, the credits had just started and then the trailer for Big Mouth <laughs> season 6 started I was like yeah. what?
2: you can't even sit let, then, let me sit and watch this movie that's what happened yeah. with when I watched Her recently yeah. Joaquin Phoenix great movie it's fantastic I loved it and like the credits started rolling and like there's a great song that plays into the <laughs> yeah. credits and then like the a banner for other movies come up, and I'm like, I just want to sit and look and listen and just sit in like the the raw like the sadness I felt from the end of that movie. Yeah, but I had to just quickly exit out of it because it's Netflix. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, the the point of this being that a, a Videodrome is about the human body beginning mm. to fuse with technology
2: and understanding it. And, yeah, and interrogating what yeah. that means. Yeah,
0: and that's what that that statement long live the new flesh is almost this ironic right. detachment from it because, and and today we've all got phones attached to our hands constantly, yeah. which is why when I watch it the most recent time, that really hit me of like, this, this is a movie about humans relationship to technology. Yeah. Specifically it's about television at the mm. time it was made, but now
2: it's about, it takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah. With all the new technologies and
0: which is why I think it's and why Cronenberg holds up. Yeah. Because it's about ideas that resonate. Mm. And our ideas that are still or as an, as an English today. teacher
2: would say the universal ideas <laughs> of Shakespeare and Cronenberg. <laughs> I mean,
0: be honest, would you rather I'd watch rather, Cronenberg oh, yeah. or read Shakespeare? Oh, I mean, Cronenberg. Don't get me wrong. Ten times out of ten, Macbeth, love it. Yeah, Othello, love it. Like there, there's lots of it's good, but there's also like
2: I'd much rather watch somebody, you know get into a car crash and then have sex in the car, you know? (laughs) 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 Which again
0: ties back to crimes of the future. It does. Yeah. yeah. So this is really a conversation about Cronenberg. Yeah. But I love Cronenberg. We'll come back to Cronenberg again. He's a great dude. Yeah. I
2: mean, I I don't know that he's just made great movies. He might not be a great dude. You never know. He kind of looks like David Lynch though. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He does actually. They have Um, very similar hair.
0: We're also both big fans of Brandon Cronenberg's possessor. Yes, that Which movie we'll, rips. We'll do a, we'll do it. an episode on that at some point. But that's <laughs> I probably, don't understand it, but it's awesome. I think that's probably my favorite movie of
2: 2020. Yeah, i I would have to agree with that. I couldn't really recall another movie from 2020 as fondly as watching Possessor and just the insanity of that movie.
0: I love it. It's, it's so fantastic. Good. I I do laugh every time, and this is bleeding into our Possessor conversation. But <laughs> that that final confrontation at the end, and it, it's really Similar to Videodrome, it's very blunt in how it depicts violence. But and the guy also, holds yeah. up his hand to stop himself. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. And then it cuts to the rubber hand getting thrown, thrown across thrown, the room. Yeah. I always laugh that at that That movie
2: bit. is very violent.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts on Videodrome?
2: Um, it's great. Watch it. Yeah. Kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, sorry for spoiling it. But it's well, if you haven't seen it and, probably and you've
0: gone this far in the podcast, it's yeah. your fault.
2: Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. It is fantastic.
0: How would you I mean, I think I already know the answer, but ranking it amongst the other Cronenberg films you've seen? It's
2: definitely the top. Okay. Then I'd probably do Scanners. Um actually probably Videodrome Crash actually. I really loved Crash. Then Scanner's then The Fly then Crimes of the Future. Actually Eastern Promises. Um I don't know. It doesn't The Eastern Promises is far too different to the rest of them. Yeah. So,
0: I saw Cosmopolis as well. That one's good. But again, very different.
2: Yeah. I can't even compare Eastern Promises to any other thing that Cronenberg's ever made because it's kind of part of his filmography where he stopped doing body horror and just made really depressing crime movies. Yeah. Which is what Eastern Promises is. And it's fantastic. Yeah. But I, was never, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's really hard to sit through. <laughs>
0: I'll have to give you, I'll, I'll lend you Naked Lunch. I'd be really curious to hear. I'd love to watch that movie. What you think about yeah. that one? Because it it is wild. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of the body horror stuff, it it's it's pretty restrained, but when it does happen, it's like up there with I think some of the better oh, body yeah. horror stuff from Cronenberg.
2: I do love The Fly. The fly, the, fly uh, the fly is great. I just I feel like yeah, it's it's a little bit too long in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I need to watch it again because again I did watch it after watching men at like one AM. So I need again, to Again,
0: I think that's a great double bill.
2: It yeah, it actually works pretty well. Just about the men's men's bad. I mean in a, in a weird way.
0: Watching the male body well, do some do some <laughs> whack things.
2: I love men. Yeah. That's a uh, that's that'll a- be the promo clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't the promo.
0: Okay, before we wrap up, let's look at 1983. Let's. Um, unless you've got anything else you want to throw in the pot with Videodrome.
2: No, not really. I just... Oh, no, something I will say is I forget his name, but the main actor mm-hmm. is so good.
0: He's great. I yeah. love it.
2: And another thing that I also love that's very random is the he's, he always is wearing shoes with wooden uh, heels. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing him walk in that yeah. movie. It's very satisfying. <laughs> but, you know, he's great. And, yeah.
0: I think Cronenberg, uh, I'd love to see more behind-the-scenes stuff with him because I'm always fascinated by how... he Like, the performances that he gets out of his actors are never like... You know, you think of the... like. Oscar worthy performances that are, are very technically correct yeah. and and, and well oiled performances the performances that Cronenberg gets uh, and I'm I'm talking mostly about his like eight, 70s 80s and 90s like body horror stuff yeah. is just heightened enough that it sits well in how heightened mm, yeah the situations that his films place the characters yeah. in like that that works really well but if you were just to take their performances
2: out of that movie
0: in isolation yeah they're so weird like the di- yeah. the dialogue delivery is often really
2: it's off,
0: off. just slightly everything is yeah. slightly off
2: mm. but i do think of a lot of the performances that are in cronenberg movies i do think max i don't really know the actor's name but max in this movie i think he's really great i think he's very restrained and yes. it, it, which makes it that much better when crazy stuff happens, and he's just like, "Oh, <laughs> all right," <laughs> or just he's just like, "No." Because I, I think a perfect example of that is when he's watching drone for the first time, and he's like, "Oh, it's it's interesting. It's so real. <laughs> he's so detached from it. Yeah, he's just he's yeah. just so calm. It's James Woods. That's it's it. the actor. Yeah, he's he's so calm watching people getting tortured, and I think it's it's so it's so goofy." Well, because at that point <laughs> I works. think,
0: and I, watching it a, a a third or fourth, or like rewatching, mm-hmm. I think it's it, it's harder for me to believe that he doesn't know that it's real. Yeah, because that, that's you a good you, point, you, are, you because know that you it's, know real. it's real. Yeah. Um, where like I think that's the that's the one thing that it's maybe doesn't hold up for me when I rewatch it. It's like you're watching this thing that's like. Horrific. Yeah. And he goes, I don't know how they make it so realistic. It,
2: the actors are so, like, the. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what he says, but he says something about the, how the actors are doing such a good job.
0: Yeah. But I mean, you put yourself in that situation, are you really going to leap to the.
2: Yeah. Like, oh, actually, something else that I really enjoyed on a rewatch is at the end when you find out that his helping hand with finding the frequency for Videodrome isn't. He's, he's helping the bad guy. Mm-hmm. When you find out that he that he isn't hallucinating and then re-watching it. I was, I was actually watching him in the, in the scene when when Max is watching Videodrome, he's staring at a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And in the next scene, he's, doing, he's spraying, because he's doing tech stuff, he's spraying dust off a bunch of things. And then he very, I'm assuming it's very intentionally, looks at James Wood's head as he's speaking to him, as he's looking at the TV, you can see him staring at his at his face on the back of his head, mm-hmm. not the TV. Yeah. And he looks and does something else. Like they, It's very intentional in them showing that he's never seen Videodrome because he doesn't hallucinate. Mm. I'm assuming because he helped make it as well. Because mm-hmm. he knows what's in it. Yeah. He knows the content of Videodrome.
0: And, and the stuff with the television, with that guy just talking.
2: Yeah, Brian Oblivion.
0: Um I think is some of the best stuff in the movie. I mean that's where it's most explicitly telling you what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. But when that TV, when that screen turns into like skin. Yeah. And starts stretching and behaving. Yeah. There's like, two scenes when that happens. Actually. And then there's another yeah. one like uh, where, uh, when he goes into the screen with mm. the with the mouth. Yeah. Um I think those are some of the most memorable. I mean when I put it put it against other Cronenberg movies, it's up there with like some of the most striking Oh yeah, yeah. thematically rich imagery because yeah. um, it's so yeah. bizarre it's yeah. so absurd and there's there's um it's it's almost um like i, I struggle to call this a horror movie because it's not really uh, a horror film it's something that um i think it's brian Usner, the guy that made um society and uh some of the reanimator movies <laughs> he talks about uh it's not really horror it's plastic reality and absurdism
2: Wow, that's so profound.
0: the when you think about like in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy's tongue comes out the phone, yeah, that's not horror, that's absurdism. Mm. Um, like that, that's that's a that's something that you're more likely to see in a cartoon, <laughs> yeah, a horror film, yeah. Right? But it's scary because mm. it's so outlandish and so bizarre yeah. and yeah. so absurd. Um, and I think a lot of what makes this movie unsettling is some of the imagery. Where I mean, there is the stuff with like physical violence happening yeah. and the stuff that's on screen with video drone with like the woman getting whipped and stuff like that that's really yeah. awful but when the tv gets whipped <laughs> when the t- i mean yeah but like when the tv screen turns into skin oh yeah and, and the, the hand starts pushing out yeah. and the, and the stuff um stuff with the when he crawls into the screen and even the yeah. stuff with the tape slot on his stomach yeah. like that i don't I struggle to describe that as scary in a it's horror movie sense. Unsettling. It's Unsettling and bizarre yeah. because it's it's uncanny and because it's practical as well. It
2: just looks really real. Yeah, like the stomach it's tangible. Yeah. It looks yeah. so realistic and it looks like that if they were to make a tape slot in someone's stomach, that's, that's what probably, it would look like. That is what it would look like.
0: <laughs> and there's a lot of similarly vaguely genital like yeah. practical stuff in mm. Naked Lunch. So oh yeah, that shows up again with sort of like bodily mutations that lovely take on this weird sexual edge. Yeah, it's a lot of it is. I mean, the sexual um, implication of Videodrome is something that you can dive into as well if you yeah. really want to. Like because there's no two ways of putting it, the slot in his stomach is very vaginal. Yeah, um, and there's there's interesting sexual implication to all of Cronenberg's work. I mean, yeah going all the way back to Crimes of the Future again it, mm. that in his return to this sort of subject matter, it's always... When 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 body horror takes on a phallic or vaginal yeah. thing, it's impossible to look at it and not see it through that lens.
2: Crimes of the Future, yeah. though, is about new sex. Yes. Which is... Yeah, yeah, that's
0: much more explicit in that.
2: But even then, Videodrome <laughs> has that with how... Oh, I
0: think Videodrome is as much about sex as it is, yeah, it as it is about violence. Yeah, because
2: like the, the pain... Uh, relating to sex because she has the ear piercing bit which is yes. very unsettling
0: yeah that that's probably up there with one of the hardest bits to watch for me because yeah. it, and it's not the goopy body horror stuff no, it's, it's just it's as simple as like piercing someone's yeah, ear yeah um, whilst he's
2: kissing it it's just it's very odd gross and and very gross yeah yeah
0: but is is goes back to this idea that when you become overstimulated with violent or sexual mm. tv it starts to numb yeah. You and desensitize you so yeah. you need more visceral stimuli. Which is. Which leads to. <laughs> getting going, pierced. going back to that character. She's putting cigarettes out on yeah. her skin. She needs to have her ear pierced. She like needs she, to go on Videodrome. She needs to go on Videodrome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that we've been talking for a while about Videodrome. Yeah. 1983, this movie came out. Yes. Um, do you have a favorite movie? Videodrome. From 1983. Other
2: than that. Um, I have to. I've had a look. There's a bunch of really random ones and I think the most overrated movie from 1983 is Star Wars Episode 6
0: Let's talk about Return of the Jedi.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it is the most overrated movie in Star Wars franchise. The
0: most overrated yes. in Star Wars. Tell me
2: more. I don't like it at all. I like the first 20 minutes and then nothing else from that movie. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like that movie. What don't you like about it? I don't know. It's just... I think the reasons that David Lynch doesn't like it, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I love... Like I, might, I might cut in
0: here the um, <laughs> David Lynch's story about meeting with <laughs> George Lucas. That makes me laugh yeah. so hard every time. Did you turn down George Lucas for directing Star Wars Return of the Jedi?
5: I was asked uh, by George uh, to... Uh, Come up to see him and talk to him about directing, which would would be the third Star Wars. And I had next door to zero interest. (laughs) But I always admired George. You know, George is a guy that does what he loves, and I do what I love. The difference is what George loves makes hundreds of billions of dollars. (laughs) So I thought I should go up and at least visit with him. And it was incredible. I had to go to this building in LA first and get a special credit card and I had to get a special keys and a letter came and a map. And um, then I went into the airport and I flew up and then they had a rental car all ready for me and this, uh keys and you know everything was set. And I was to drive to this place and I came into an office and there was George. And he he talked with me for a little bit and then he said, I want to show you something. Now, right about in this time, I started getting a little bit of a headache. Just, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So, he took me upstairs and he showed me these things called Wookiees. And now this headache is getting, you know getting stronger. <laughs> and he showed me many animals and different things. Then he took me for a ride in his Ferrari for a lunch. And George is uh, kind of short, so his he was, he was, seat was way back, and he was almost laying down in the car. We were flying through this little town up in Northern California. We went to a restaurant. Not that i don 't like salad, but that 's all they had was was sal- <laughs> <laughs> then I got a really uh, an, almost like a migraine headache, and I could hardly wait to get to home and i even before I got home. I kind of crawled into a phone booth and phoned my agent. I said there's no way why I know no way I can do this. He said David 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 calm down. You don't have to do this and um, so George Bless his heart. I told him on the phone the next day that he should direct it. It's his film he invented everything about it, but he doesn't really love directing and so someone else did direct that film, but um, I did. I called my lawyer and told him that I wasn't going to do it, and he said, "You just lost—I don't know how many millions of dollars."
2: Yeah, no, I just—I don't know. I don't. I can't connect with it. I don't. I don't know why. Obviously, you know, it's in space, so of course I can't connect with it. But I just—I think it's boring. Really, I think that's kind of my biggest issue with it. And there's too many teddy bears in it. And I just can't take it seriously enough. But I love the first like 20 minutes. But after that, I just think it's just a bit average. But, you know. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I think uh, it very much is the sign of things to come with the Star Wars universe. Yeah, absolutely. Because the thing that... I, I I think the thing that frustrates me a lot with Star Wars and Star Wars fandom is that everything is about the universe and the lore. Whereas those first two movies, mm. the first of which is only great because of a miracle in editing and, and uh, cutting-edge technology and, <laughs> yeah. and a brilliant score.
2: And not because of the main actor's performance.
0: <laughs> well, but, but the thing, the characters are oh, yeah, what hold it together. Great, yeah. And Empire is the same. Empire mm. is, I, I think my hot take about Star Wars is the only genuinely great Star Wars film. Same, I couldn't because, agree more. And it, but it's entirely character-driven. All of the drama is entirely character-driven. And after those first 20 minutes of, Re- of Return of the Jedi, they don't know what to do with Han or Leia anymore.
2: Exactly. That's kind of another huge issue with it. Harrison Ford, I know that his part, his story in that is not the main focus, but it's so evident that he does not care yeah. at all, which I know people have said that, but it just makes me feel like I don't care about the movie. I don't need to care about the movie. Yeah, Because one of the main characters who cared so much and- was so, um, I don't know what the word, like just so engrossed in, and like actually a part of the story just is so bored. <laughs> yeah, you can I, tell his bored. He's
0: just a foot soldier for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean the stuff with Luke and Sidious and Darth Vader, like that's, yeah, that's good. the good stuff yeah. in the movie, but yeah. the, all the stuff with, Luke and, uh, with Han and Leia, yeah. they just did didn't know what to do with those characters anymore. Yeah. Um, and I do think that it would have been smart to kill Han, because then that gives him carbonite. Well, <laughs> I mean that gives Leia. Yeah, Something, exactly. something to wrestle with as a mm. character. Luke's got his arc. Like it's the Luke story. Yeah, that's not the issue with the movie. It's the it's no, the no, other. No. It's the other stuff. It's the other the half of the movie. Is really good, I think.
2: Yeah, it's it's just it's not the best of the three, and I think it. I do think this is my biggest hot take. I think, uh-huh. other than the fact that I think, um. uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back is the only good one, I agree with you with that, is I think Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I could leap that far with it.
2: Mainly because I think I've seen it more and I just, I think it's ridiculous and I think it's so campy and fun.
0: Fair enough. I mean, I do, until I was older, I did see the original trilogy first, but I watched the prequel trilogy more yeah and as a young kid loved the prequel movies yeah um so i get why people have an attachment to it but yeah. i also they suck well, i'm, they, I'm under no illusion that that they're yeah. good
2: no, they're awful
0: um like
2: i think yeah. i i the thing i re the most as a kid actually with return of the jedi is the first 20 minutes i think i've watched the first 20 minutes about three dozen times and then turned it off immediately after because i got <laughs> bored when as soon as he goes to Dagobah to talk to obi-wan again i just turned it off so i well, got that's, bored
0: this is the other thing as well like that there's all these things like in in um uh empire obi-wan appears to luke on hoth when he's about to die yeah and he's like in the distance it, you can't quite see him fully in the in the blizzard yeah in in Jedi, he's just sitting he's just on a sitting log. On, yeah. but, oh, so ghosts sit on logs now, which yeah. then get that continues yeah. in uh, the Last Jedi with
2: with Yoda sitting on a log with Yoda.
0: <laughs> um, but also like little tiny things yeah. like Darth Vader says to Luke in a passing comment. Oh, so you've made yourself a new lightsaber. Yeah. That's all that that ever was. And now there's this entire backstory oh, of yeah. like the Jedi has to find the crystal and then meditate over it and go to this one planet where blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't care. Boring. Yeah, literally, it's like, it, cause none of it is character driven, no. character driven. No. If, if you don't have a connection to that material, yeah. what like listening to someone blog about... <laughs> blog like where where Luke got his crystal from in between those two movies like I don't care it's not in the movie you can't expect me to give a shit about like yeah yeah. and but then uh, things in in canonical films that people say well the reason you don't get it is because you haven't read this book or seen this show well I'm like that's not my job the job of the movie Uh, is to is to move me and it doesn't because it's relying on this huge thing (laughs) That is just this massive money making <laughs> machine that I just have no interest in. Yeah. So. So Star Wars bad. Uh, um. Look, Mando's decent. I haven't been watching Andor. I've my heard dad it, has I've heard it. he's, it's good, he's loving it. Um. So I'll probably get onto that at some point. But um. Yeah. My hot take is the first Star Wars movie is a fluke, and George Lucas is the lucky second luckiest man in show Absolutely. business next to Ringo Starr. Um. And <laughs> hey, he's the best drummer <laughs> of all time. And Empire is the only good one is the is yeah. the great film but yeah. that, that that the entire legacy of star wars rests on as much as every film since has done its best to in in one way or another to topple that legacy yeah. i think empire is the one thing that's holding it up
2: yeah um yeah don't make me wrong don't get me wrong though empire is fantastic it's not perfect though no it's not it's it's pretty dookie at points but like yeah
0: yeah we'll have to do another I I am actually – I'm planning on doing – I don't know how I'll break it up episodically, but we'll do some Star Wars on this podcast at some point. I'll have to get Marty in because he's the –
2: Man, that bitch loves Last Jedi.
0: He's the Star Wars uh, expert amongst us. Um, Looking through other films that came out in 1983, Return of the Jedi is the – that's the big one. The other massive cultural moment, I think, in film in 1983 is Scarface. I was going to say that, Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen Scarface?
2: I actually haven't, but I've heard a lot about it.
0: I think I've seen the last 20 minutes, but that's it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I weirdly though, I have seen the silent film that it's an adaptation of. That is bizarre. So I, it's just been on my, it's been on my list for so long. You know what? It's one of those things where you feel like you've seen it.
2: Yes. That's what I was about to say. I feel like I know a lot about it and you know why? It's because of the Lonely Island song, Jack Sparrow. (laughs) 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 I just, i yeah, I just, yeah and i have never been too interested in watching it cuz i kind of know what it yeah. is essentially in yeah. one way or another
0: yeah i think i i i think my my impression of it from the outside looking in is that it's not as interesting to me as something like the godfather or goodfellas yeah um it just seems like it it looks to me very similar to one of the reasons i can't quite get into something like the wolf of wall street mm. where it just... It, it reeks to me that that main character is someone that I have no interest in spending yeah. two and a half hours with.
2: It's a long movie as well, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I will watch it. and I, may, Maybe my opinion will be proved to be totally incorrect, which yeah. would be great. Um, yeah. Um, let's have a look through. What else? Um, 1983. Monty Python's The Meaning of Life.
2: Yeah. That War Games be. as well.
0: Yeah, so, well... <laughs>
2: Which <laughs> two the, very uh, different movies?
0: The, no, the 1983 worldwide box office. Oh yeah, in at number five is War Games. Really? Yeah. Fifth wow. Worldwide. So this is not yeah. This is not just US. Wow. Well, worldwide box War office. Games. War Games. Wow. Financially Was successful. Is Christine film. up there as well? No. Oh. Five War Games trading places at four. Flashdance at three. Never heard of those. Terms of Endearment at two, and Return of the Jedi. Wow! Like by a long way, worldwide, uh, Star Wars made two hundred fifty-two million in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah. Terms of endearment Terms of endearment in second place, one hundred eight million. So like, wow, it, it swept. There you go. Worldwide. Um. Yeah. But um. Cujo is the other Stephen King. Cujo, that Yeah. Came out that year. Um. One that I have a weird love of is Nicole Kidman's first ever movie. BMX Bandits.
2: Hell yeah. I, that came out. In, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. Now, <laughs> if you
0: watch that movie, there's a strapping young gentleman yeah. that has one line. Uh, they're trying to sell radios yep. to their mates in the movie. And one of their mates says, 20 bucks? Where am I going to get 20 bucks? And that is my best mate Fisher's dad. Hell and yeah. I know Fisher's been listening to a couple of these. So Fisher, if you're listening, g'day. Um, but yeah, his dad, Mal Day, as a speaking role in legendary. Bmx Bandits, legendary, <laughs> <laughs> and he also had a speaking part in Gatsby. He had he, a, he shared a line but with cut. Uh, with Tobey Maguire, but got cut. So you see the back of his suit in one of the scenes. Um, yeah. So I, I have a soft spot for Bmx Bandits, even though I, I have the blue runner. Watched it again recently for the first time in ages. It's pretty st- good. It's pretty stinky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it holds up in that it's just it's got so much charm and it's so so Australian and it, yeah it has that real Australian <laughs> yeah. spirit to it which is cool
2: Superman um, 3
0: came out it did never seen it no neither <laughs> I don't know if I have any interest um, never Psycho 2 is an underrated sequel never seen it quite good um, a Jones Bond 3. Bond movie came out Octopussy yeah. Hell um, yeah. which Octopussy was the sixth uh, highest grossing movie worldwide that year Um, The Dead Zone Another Stephen King Stephen King had a Really wow big year Had a big year
2: And The Shining came out 84 didn't it 1980 Oh 80 Oh right okay
0: Yeah My bad Yeah you better (sighs) Take take that back
2: (laughs) (laughs) Damn Um,
0: National Lampoon's Vacation But also We've talked about Tarkovsky on this Podcast before His second to last movie Nostalgia Came out
2: In 1983
0: Have you seen Nostalgia No Okay it is a – compared to – because it's his first – he made two films outside of yeah. Sweden. Oh, right. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, um, outside Russia. of Russia. Um, he made it in Sweden. Yeah. Um, they're very different. Oh. They're very different. And, I mean, he, he, he goes through changes in his career anyway, but Nostalgia and the Sacrifice are very, very interesting because they retain some of that quality of, like, the sort of meditative thing that he does in right films like Mirror and Stalker yeah. and um, – but it, just, yeah, I, 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 can't quite. I'd have to think about how to describe it more eloquently. Oh. But like, it's, it's, it takes on a different quality. It's, right. it's interesting, right?
2: Um, I don't know. I have to check it out then.
0: So, favorite movie from 1983? You're
2: saying Return of the Dude. Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Huge. Oh uh, no! Definitely Videodrome. I'd say Videodrome. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I, I nostalgia is one that i've only seen semi-recently oh right so i i, I would struggle to put it above videodrome mm. um monty python's meaning of True. life monty is, Python really is, is very funny it's definitely the the weakest of their three mm. movies it is but it's but still it is, hilarious it is very funny yeah um plus i have i mean rumblefish is another one that's um matt Dillon francis ford coppola that i oh, really really yeah. i really love that movie um, I've only seen it once though, so I'd struggle to put it above. Yeah, Videodrome does it
2: beat Videodrome? Though? That's the question. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't know. I think Videodrome is going to yeah top top out that list. Good
2: ass movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: That just about does us. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet?
2: Awesome um, nowhere. I'm an I'm enigma. <laughs> <No, I'm kidding. laughs> uh, just Letterboxd and Goonshine. And Instagram if you really want to find me. But I don't post anywhere.
0: Yeah, we'll link him below. Go find him. I'm Um, just a guy
2: being a dude. As as they say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.
2: Bye. Thanks
0: for listening to the Blue Rose Film Podcast. You can support this podcast by leaving a five-star review. Or even better, just share it with a friend you can get in touch with us by emailing us at bluerose.filmreview at gmail.com or you can find us on socials and get in touch there. Don't forget to check out the blog where you can read more pieces by myself about great films and continue the conversation. Big thanks to Wilson for joining me again on this show and thank you to Acast for hosting this podcast. I'll see you next time but until then don't forget, long live the new flesh. Take care.